Welcome to the Sharing Kindness podcast, where we explore the power of kindness and positive mindset, really to just create a positive change in the world. I am Tess, your host, and I have got Kyle, my co-host with me today. Hello, Tess. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm very good. Excellent. I hear we're talking about love languages today. I'm quite excited about this one. We are, I know. Yeah, this is a bit, this is a big thing for me. I've uh, had some big revelations in my own family in my life because yeah, I know as parents, we really all want the best for our children. And, but I just find that sometimes it can be really hard to really know what our children need emotionally. And oh. we may struggle to understand what they are feeling, why they are feeling, what they're feeling. And they might be acting out perhaps, and they just, I know from personally speaking, my children sometimes seem very distant or disconnected. And I really think that this is where love languages come in because by understanding and recognizing our children's love language, we really are able to gain a lot bigger insights into their emotional world or with their emotional needs and just provide the support and love that, that, that I am sure that they are yearning for. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. And I think for me, when I learned about love languages, it was a revelation as well, because you always look at the world through your own lens how you receive love is oftentimes how you think other people need that love because you will project that onto others. You'll give what you want most of the time. And that's just not how it works. People are very different. I know that you and I, Tess, we're both extroverts and we talk a lot. If you're in a room with a bunch of introverts and it's quiet, we have to fill that silence, right? But that's not what everybody wants. Like you're, for us, if it's silent, we're like, God, everyone must be feeling so awkward. We should better break the silence. That's not the case, right? We, that's yeah. not how it works. And this is it. And from acts of service, quality of time, gifts, physical touch and words of affirmation, there's really different ways that our children do express their love and how they want to receive love. So in this podcast today, we will be exploring the different love languages. So I'll go in and explain a little bit further and how we can identify our children's primary love language, because we all have a little bit of everything. However, most of us do have one that's stronger than the other. And then how we can adapt to this and create a healthy, nurturing environment and emotional relationship with our children. So whether you're a parent, a caregiver, or simply someone looking to listen in and receive some information about how you can better your relationships for your children, join us on today's episode where we will deep dive into the world of love languages. <laughs> Amazing. I think a good starting point would be to explain a bit more about what the love languages are for our listeners. I know that you've got to quickly run through them, but let's dive into what those different love languages are and what they mean. Yeah, of course. Just like adults, children have their own ways, like we said before, of their feeling loved and I suppose appreciated as well. There's five love languages. There's words of affirmation, quality time, physical touch, gifts, and acts of service. And yeah, yeah. And which one's your primary? We're just going to maybe start with that, Kyle. Which one's yours? My one? Definitely words of affirmation. Mm -hmm. I find that I light up when I get praise. 
I'm like a... <laughs> I'm like a golden retriever. People tell me I, I really light up when people are like, good boy, who's a good boy? I'm like, I'm a good boy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely. Actually, what's your love language? I'm curious. Well, how I guess it's, of course, it's words of affirmations as well. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> so we're just giving each other all this praise, being and like, oh, this feels like good. Exactly. And I think this is, we did one of our personality tests a little while ago, and yeah. we were literally just identical. It makes sense for us to work together, Kyle. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think that we seem to have the same personality types, which is probably a lot of positives. And I'm sure there's probably some areas that we're both neglecting. <laughs> Many of <laughs> Yeah, but let's dig deep or let's dive into some examples of the different love languages. Right. So a child whose primary love language would be words of affirmation. And like we said before, and you'd feel this stronger as well, Kyle, it's easier for me to really understand children who also speak the same language, but children with words of affirmation as their primary love language will love hearing positive feedback. They'd love getting a compliment and they'll feel the most love when they can really feel and hear that their parents are proud of them and that they're giving them encouraging words. And I suppose, and these children are the ones who may struggle more with receiving criticism as well. And they might actually feel hurt or upset by feedback and they might dwell on that for a long time. And yeah, and I think children with the primary love language of words of affirmation too, they are the ones that are more likely to seek out praise and seek out being praised for their accomplishments and achievements by you. Yeah, it's, and I really, I see myself and I've got two children. I've got Anna who's eight and Scarlett who's six and they have very different love languages, both of them. Yeah, yeah. That's one thing that I imagine a lot of people struggle to identify as well. So this is really helpful to say, here are some easy, yeah, relatively easy signs that you would be somebody who is a words of affirmation for love, for love languages. Yeah, that's really good. So it just means here's the positives, here's how they receive it. And then here are some negatives, you know, like kind of that yes. negative criticism can really, really de- them. Okay. Yeah. And then because they're, yeah, yeah. And this is where it's hard. And this is what then gets into the creating a safe space for talking about feelings and talking about yeah, experiences. But a children whose primary love language is quality time, they will feel the most time, this speaks for itself, but is when their parents spend uninterrupted, like quality time with them. They'll show enthusiasm and excitement when parents suggest doing an activity together. And they may struggle when plans don't work out the way that they may have been intended or an event gets cancelled and they get really upset by it. Most likely their primary love language would be quality time. And the same thing, children with quality of time as a primary love language would often ask, can you do this with me or come outside, play with me, do, you know, and I feel like from my personal experience, mine being words of affirmation, mine's. It's not, it's definitely not quality time, but it probably is. Like I've, if someone, if I know someone loves me, I know they love me because I've told me, they've shown me words. Yeah. So I haven't needed to feel like I need to spend quality time. And I think this is where my eldest daughter and I do clash because it's, 
And it's not until I've read the book about love languages that, that I've, it's highlighted the fact that we need to really adopt, we need to really change our love languages depending on what the other, the other person or child needs. Definitely. It's being conscious that this is how they receive love. This is how they receive energy and being able to give that with, with your love is really important. So once you've identified it, here are ways that you can make sure that they feel loved and valued and validated. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it. And, uh, and then to my little girl, her primary love language is physical touch. So she's all about, mama, give me a hug. Can I have a kiss? And if oh, she sees good. me being, <laughs> yeah, and if, and if she sees me being upset, her way of trying to help me is then by coming to give me a hug or coming to cuddle with me. Yeah, that physical affection is truly her way of wanting to receive love and also showing love. Children might enjoy really cuddling, watching TV, reading a book together and just really, yeah, that touchy feeling, even tickling or wrestling and because not all kids like that, but but kids who do like that would, their primary love language would uh, most likely be physical touch. Yeah. Um, and I just want to connect with you through, uh, through that. And, and children who may experience to say, if you forget, suppose to some degree, you really don't forget to maybe kiss them goodnight. But if they might be upset, if a parent you know, isn't at home and they can't get their little cuddle and then they might be experienced sadness. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's, it's that, it's like they, a lot of these can have overlaps, can't they? Cause I think yeah. when you think about physical touch, it sounds like quality time to me, like reading a book and you're cuddling and on the couch, reading a book, like that does seem to me like quality time as well, but it is, you have to figure out which of those is it and making sure that you're showing up, I guess, as a parent, it sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> it does. Yeah. And it's honestly not until I feel like I've had, because I've been, I haven't been married to my husband for 20 years, but 10 years, but I've been with him for 20 years. And if, like, I obviously clearly haven't known anything about love languages in the start of our relationship until I got the kids. But yeah, you live your, your whole life in blissfully unaware that this is how love, this is what love means. Like, of course yeah. you tell people. And then it's not until I had my children, I go, oh, but she's not responding to my way of showing her. Oh, doesn't she feel like, yeah, but I love her. And yeah, no, but that's not what she needs. I'm going, oh my God. Wow. And then I look at my husband and I go, do you know that that is not what I need? I need this right now. <laughs> which yeah, is, yeah. yeah which is that for me, I think love languages was a really big breakthrough for just my romantic relationships, just being able to understand that not everyone wants words of affirmation, being told that I love them or expressing, oh, you're so smart. You're so funny. All those things that I clearly crave and that's how <laughs> I feel love, but it's not for everyone. Some people need quality time. They need yeah. touch. They need gifts or what's the last one? I, I can't remember off the top of my head. It's one. And I think this is probably my least, if I was going to have primary or is this the one that's last on my list? I don't too, need to, to feel yeah. love. Whereas I, I'm actually like, and you can ask any of my relatives or anyone who knows me, I'm the worst when it comes to gifts. Like I'm terrible. I'm terrible at being like, oh, wow, great. Thanks. Like I'm literally like, oh, I don't need this. And people will be like, oh, okay. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I just, I sound like such an asshole. I won't buy you a birthday gift. Yeah, I'm good to Yeah, All I need to be told is I'm a good boy and I'm, and I'm very happy. <laughs> 
I know. And this is it. And, and children who uh, have gifts as their love language, they might uh, also love, and I think this is a little one as well, they love maybe collecting little items and treasures and they're a little bit oh, like yep. tokens of affection. And, and they also enjoy giving. So it's not necessarily so their way of receiving and they like to get, but they also like to then show like maybe to teachers or I want to bring the teacher a little painting that I did that's expressing love through, through a gift. But yeah, true. So it could be them like giving you gifts constantly or drawing you pictures and making you little things. And they're doing that more than their other siblings. That would be a good sign yeah. that they might have that kind of that gifts giving kind of love language. Yeah. 100%. Makes sense. And the last one is acts of service. And this is when they like, not necessarily your parent making you a breakfast every single morning, but when they <laughs> do things for them and helping them with their homework. And like you said, they all marry up to some degree because that's still then spending quality time. I think quality time probably is the most infiltrated in all of them because yeah. really, even if you're physical touch, you're still having that uninterrupted time with someone and connecting. True. But yeah, but acts of service can also be like kids asking them if you can help them with tasks or even if they, you, they can help you with tasks and even though that they're not required to do. And, and yeah, and they can also get a little bit sad or upset if they don't feel useful or if they don't feel like they are contributing. Yeah. And the guy behind all of this is called like Dr. Gary Chapman. And he has gained like widespread like acceptance in the fields of psychology and parenting. And yeah, so you, I've got the book here, but so if you haven't read the book, I highly recommend it. It is so good because there's one main one, which is for adults. And then this one is specifically for children. Oh, okay. I didn't know there was one for children, but that's yeah. sense. And it gives, and it's very easy read too. And it gives a lot of like examples and things like that because yeah, no, he's so good. Dr. Chapman. <laughs> but then how can we identify, like, how can we then get into, if we're going to get into the nitty gritty of like, how do we know? And I think one, the number one thing is like observing, of course, and how they do express and you can start with yourself. Like, how are the children trying to show you love? Others as well. And if you have siblings, it's probably a little bit easier. But yeah, like, I, I think it starts, once again, it starts with a whole awareness level. Like, once we become aware that there is such thing as love languages and that we all express and receive love in different ways, that is when we ultimately can become more aware and alter our ways uh, to for each other listening when your children are requesting things or even complain about things like my oldest daughter oh, we never spend enough time and like she gets upset if she feels like I'm spending more time with my little one and uh, but the most profound experience I had on the whole love languages is I feel like when my husband goes away <laughs> we tend to have like little girls we always eat ice cream in bed like when Lee's away <laughs> But, uh, and there was this one in night when we, it was just the three of us and the girls were like, there was kind of bickering a little bit. And I just brought the whole subject. I was like, oh, but in what way do you love to, or in what way do you prefer to receive love? I did dumb it down a little bit. Mm -hmm. And it was the most beautiful conversation that the three of us has ever had, because it was almost oh. like Oprah aha moment 
where because they are so different and my oldest one really doesn't like to be hugged by her sister and all her little sister wants to do and the identification <laughs> process of oh okay so I can do other things for others even though that's not how I would receive it is yes you can good way of actually discovering what your love language your child speaks or is to talk about it yeah yeah that makes sense they should know in some way, if you explain it and in simple to understand terms, like people, I think children are pretty smart. They can communicate what they need or what they prefer, what they enjoy. Mm, very intuitive. And in the book, and that's why I've got the book open because he talks about a two option approach, which I really like in, in how to like trying to discover. And what that means is when you're asking your children questions, you can do a process of elimination that you can ask two different options in one question to try and figure out which one they like. So for an example, would you like me to make you some cake acts of service or would you, yes, hang on, I'll just redo that again. But yeah. So for an example, would you like for me to make you some cupcakes? And that's acts of service or uh, for us to have lemonade outside on the deck. Quality. Oh, yeah. yeah. I like you that. Wrestle, physical touch or read a story together. Quality time. Nice. Uh, now he does talk a lot about this whole option two option based questions, because that's a very easy way to then distinguish. Okay. So perhaps at this point present moment. Oh my God, my whole pin board just fell down. Oh my God. <laughs> take my desk up and down. I'm like, oh, oh my God. God. I didn't hear anything. That must've been scary. Oh, that no, was like, shh. <laughs> yeah. Cause it's a good way to determine, or I suppose compare them against each other. And of course that can yeah. have outside reasons why they don't want to do that to right there and then. So don't just use one question one time to determine yeah. what lunch language is going to be the thing, but it's a good way of just thinking about it, that, Honor. yeah, I've got half an hour of important, like free time. Would you rather do this or this? And they go, yeah. It's like almost like a scientific method. You're split testing to see which. <laughs> I think that's great because at the end of the day, you're giving them the option. Here is this type or this type and whichever they choose, you're going, oh, okay. It's interesting. Note that down. And then you can try that against different love languages. So I think that's very smart. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. There are some common, and as we have reached on them before, like to, we have spoken about some pitfalls and things before as well, but I think the biggest, at least on a personal level, pitfall is like assuming that my children speak the same love, love language as myself Yeah, and then having one child and then the next one's born and I go, oh, she looks so different. And then I go, but why would she look the same? <laughs> <laughs> True. Like, yeah. What, what is like, what makes them, because one of my two girls, one's a carbon copy of myself and then the other one's a carbon copy of Lee. But yeah, it's just that, like, why did I expect them to be the same? Or why did I expect them to, yeah, like, surely I should have just gone into this world of assuming that they would be different. <laughs> yeah. No, I guess it's just that we, uh, we simplify things down as humans, don't we? So we look to, we've learned one way. So that's the way we apply to the next child. But it's, oh, you're, why isn't this working? Oh, because you're a different human being <laughs> with different needs. Oh, okay. So and I can imagine that being challenging. 
and everyone learns different ways, everyone's different ways. And yeah, another pitfall, another pitfall is also like focusing too much on just one love language. We might be, become fixated on the fact that this one's the gift one. And so we just keep, oh my God, because we're coming from maybe necessarily a blame state or, but like another pitfall is like overcompensating for our past mistake hmm. and like our perceived deficiencies or our perceived lack of. So it's showing, it's all about having a balanced approach basically. And, and if we feel guilty about something for about not spending enough time with a child, for an example, then don't overcompensate by just then buying them gifts. So it's like, yeah, and it's because then, yes, it just neglecting their other way. So everything in balance, be aware of what your love language is, try and figure out and notice what your child's love language is, and then try and meet middle way because there's nothing. And I think this is what's so brilliant about these open conversations and safe space that we're trying to really encourage families to have is this learning space at home, this practicing space and telling and opening up conversations with our children that aren't trying to learn about this. I'm trying to figure out my, my primary ways of reacting. Cause when, when Papa says this to me, I become reactive and then this happens within me and yada, yada. Mm. But I think that's what I'm learning. Well, that's what I'm loving about my own journey at the moment is that I feel like I've opened up a space for our for all of us to somehow be more vulnerable and not having it all perfected. Yeah. And I know that perfectionism is definitely a, it's a blessing and a curse. So it's good that you're allowing things to flow and seeing what do your kids and both you and your husband, what do you need in terms of that love language? I think a really good point that you brought up as well is that you're not just going to have one love language and that's it because quality time will lap over on all of them. Like you still want words of affirmation. You still want the occasional gifts, even if you don't like, like me, like, you know, there is time for my phone. I can buy you a birthday gift now. I want a birthday present. I think like one thing that, that my partner does really sweet is she'll sometimes just give me a little gift of like, she'll go to the shops and she'll be like, oh, I grabbed you this. I was thinking of you. And I'm like, oh, that's very nice. And even though it's absolutely not my love language, it's still is oh, a very loving gesture. Yeah. And you're kind of like, oh, it gets you right there. And I think, yeah, you'll have a blend of different love languages and you're going to have ebbs and flows. Sometimes you are going to want physical touch more than your more your more dominant love language. There might be times where you just want to have that quality time or that act of kindness or that that act of what service Third is that what it is? Yeah, act, that act of somebody makes your lunch for example or something like that you're going to work you had a busy day and your partner makes your lunch or your kid even your child makes your lunch you'd be like that's so sweet thank you so much it might not be your love language but it's a combination of all of the above i think that does work so yeah i agree don't just stick to the one because you know that's what it is a balanced approach and play with it and kind of and i think and the more I think about the love languages as well, like having words of affirmation being my primary, I feel like the most common, the, the most common approach is probably like most people are probably going to have two that are more dominant than the other. And those yeah. two kind of then go hand in hand. 
but yeah, my, like but Lee's physical, it's definitely physical. So his way, we've been arguing, his way of saying sorry is clearly come give me a hug. And I'm just like, oh, like, don't <laughs> kill me. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 20 years, honey. <laughs> we, should be, we should know this by now. <laughs> Oh, it's so easy to forget, though, I bet, you know. But it's, it's fundamental because it's the way that it's coming from such a grounded place of doing what and the golden rule of treating others the way we want to be treated. Like, absolutely, I love that. That is my ethos. So don't yeah. get me wrong. I'm not trying to prove it, go against it. But it's just when it comes to emotional needs, there's definitely just a, an added little awareness that makes relationships bond and grow so much stronger than ever before. Nice. Well, this has been great. I've learned so much today. I really, it's nice because I knew about love languages, but just to recap on it and how do you apply this to your children, I think is really valuable. So I guess if people were wanting to learn more about this, what are the next steps? Yeah, so I would 100% go and buy Gary Chapman's book because it's brilliant and it just breaks it down very easily with zero practical advice. So yeah grab it on Amazon and things like that. And if you are, there's so many aspects to it, but I know that we did a little Mother's Day kind of recap and that is the most beautiful. So for Mother's Day, I prepared this little kindness kit for mum. And we do talk about that a gift and, and how I say my husband focuses so much time to try and buy me expensive gifts, but really what I want is spend quality time and have something made from the heart and uh, tell have someone tell me how much they love me and why <laughs> yep. and the mother's day kit just does just that like it solves so many pain points and it just uh, it's what every mother literally wants yeah I created it's on my website you can go and check it out because uh, yeah it's super lovely it's really nice and i think it's very cheap as well like i think you've put a price tag on it but it's two dollars 95. Yeah, it's yeah. 95. Yeah, it's pretty like the activities yeah. and things yeah, like that. Yeah. It's really nice. And I think it covers off a lot of the love languages. It's the gifts, the acts of service, and also quality time. Those are all things. And you can probably factor in coupons. I've made these really cute love coupons as well. And I'm pretty sure it says, give your mom a hug. <laughs> there you go. Got the physical touch as well in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. so yeah, go check it out. The website's sharingkindness.com. If you didn't know that already, and yeah, look forward to catching up next week. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much, Tess, for today. I think that's been a really valuable lesson for all of us and our listeners. If you are interested in love languages, definitely check out the book. It's on Amazon. We'll make sure to put the link in the show notes. And uh, yeah, looking forward to next week's episode. It'll be great. Perfect. See you then. Awesome. See you guys. Take care. Bye.